Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name's Sarah Morgan. Hello. Uh, my guest this week is multi-hyphenate lady, writer, author, uh, that's the same thing, Idiot. right? Writer, <laughs> idiot, musician, uh, the fabulous Kate Hodges. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? Fine, thank you. Yeah, very good. So we are absolutely going to talk about you being an author because this episode of The Fear is a very special spooky books episode and you've written a book. And what's the book called? It's called Welcome to the Dark Side, Occult London. Fabulous. It's a map. It's a map of London. A map of London. So Mm. we're absolutely going to talk about it. But first, I would like you to tell uh, the listeners at home who may not know uh, the bands that you're in because they are very on brand for this podcast. You're You're in two bands. Two fairly spooky I know about bands. Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you so tell them about one, them. one band is Ye Nuns, and that's an all-girl garage punk band. And we do covers of The Monks <laughs> songs. The Monks are a 1960s garage punk band. Um, a bunch of American GIs who lived in Germany, and we cover their songs. And the other band I'm in is The Hair and Hoof, which is kind of... Um, that's spelled H-A-R-E and H-O-O-F-E, yes. hair and hoof. Yes, rather confusingly. And um, <laughs> we are kind of, we're like a garage prog band. We sound like a 1960s garage band would sound if they had held, to, held it together until the early 1970s and <laughs> discovered synthesizers. And it, you draw very heavily on, I mean, I'm going to say sort of a wicker man, a cult. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of, of, I think we've all... We all grew up together. In fact, my brother is in the band. And so we all have, there's some common ground that we have. One of the major pieces of common ground is the Reader's Digest um, Guide to Folk Customs. And we basically have gone through that <laughs> and episodes of Rent-A-Ghost and drawn, drawn those, into, drawn those into, our, into our music. OK, if that doesn't excite you more than anything on earth, then you're listening to the wrong podcast. So uh, <laughs> I, I maybe maybe drop a bit of hair and who, or put some links certainly to... Uh, Use guys's music. I won't be disappointed. Today to talk about well we're, talk, we're here to talk about um, all kinds of spooky books because it's the run up to Halloween, Goth Christmas and best time l- of the year. Holidays are coming. <laughs> holidays are coming. Uh, it's the uh, so we're talking about. Um, we thought we, I thought it would be a fun idea with uh, you know the Osborne. Uh, well, I'm going to say the Osborne Book of Ghosts. It's not actually called that. It's called The World of the Unknown Ghosts by Osborne has just been re released and and then Fairly you exciting. also have your very exciting book coming out. So 
I thought I'd do a, an episode of the show where we just just look each other square in the eye as old friends and go, holy fuck, do you remember this horror book? Wasn't that awesome? And we've both brought in giant stacks of literature, some matches, I'm very happy to say. We both brought in Supernatural Guide, Vampires, Werewolves and Demons and Supernatural Guides, Mysterious Powers and Strange Forces, the little tiny black square books you can hold in your hand and you probably bought from a book fair when you were eight. Did you buy it from a book fair? Saved up my stamps and got these from um, the book fair. So, first of all though, I would like you to tell me about um, welcome to the Dark Side Occult London. Yeah, it's um, it's published by Herb Lester, who do the most beautiful annotated maps of London. They've mm-hmm. done one on punk, and they've done some. Uh, they've done one for New York. They've done one of Bob Dylan's New York, which is really, mm-hmm. really beautiful. Where, where did the idea come from originally? Well, actually, the idea came from Herb Lester. Mm-hmm. So which um, the mysterious Herb Lester came mm. up with the idea and commissioned me to write the book. But you've written lots of guides to various bits of London, probably all very yeah. useful if you are London-based, like rural London and, and London in lunch hour and stuff yeah, like and that. Yeah, London for kids or for families, yeah. which is Little London. But this, yeah, this was was a bit different. So I was on the search for occult London, which I kind of, def- I defined as, it, it's not supernatural London, it's more people who are questing for esoteric knowledge. Mm. Um, and And it's not even... Uh, and, and so we, I covered Druids, I covered Alistair Crowley, mm. I covered um, Austin Osman Spare, and I covered um, the Temple of Psychic Youth. You know, kind what's of the, what's the, that? Temple of Psychic Youth was um, Genesis Peoridge and ah, a few other musicians yeah. who kind of had this. Uh, they, they were in a band called Psychic TV, and um, they were artists, writers, freethinkers, and they sort of brought together music and art and paganism. Cool. And um, and the Temple of Psychic Youth was their, was their headquarters. Uh, and whereabouts is that? That's in Hackney. It was in Hackney. It got raided, and so they kind of they they split for America. So is the idea of the map that people will buy and they'll sort of go on these like pilgrimages to these like occult hotspots around London? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I mean, I mean, there's 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 kind of been a lot written about, um, for example, Hawksmoor churches. Mm. You know, Hawksmoor was was thought to have had a lot of occult influences in in his architecture, um, and in the works of Alan Moore and graphic novelists, they um, they kind of pull all that together. And I mean, they've they've kind of given it more resonance. What's your um, what's been what was your favourite? Do you think do you have a, like a favourite spot in London? That's uh... yeah, I really like. Uh, I love Highgate Cemetery. Yeah, um, just because it feels like it's got it's it's beautiful to walk in for a start, but also it feels like it's got this sense of history there, and mm. also this sense of weirdness and brooding Victorian Gothic graves, mm. and and then of course there was the whole. Um, there was a, a, a vampire scare in the late 1960s, oh, yeah. which was incredible, and it was just a story in itself. So there was there was um, the president of the British Psychic and Occult Society and the president of the British Occult Society, who were both performing kind of ceremonies alongside each other. Um, well, in, so hang on. So there was a, there was the, so Highgate Cemetery. Uh, for, it, it's it's like so many famous people are buried there. It's a really mad sort of carpet of like uh, like Karl Marx is there and like Douglas Adams yeah. and um, John Jeremy Lydon, Beadle. Jeremy Peter. 
all the yeah the gamut of of, of London based celebrity and, and and you have to pay to go in. It's like how popular it is. Like you pay four pounds to go and wander around it, and it's beautiful. Um, but I did not realize there was someone actually. Were they killing people? No, in the late sixties and seventies, there was this rash of sightings of a vampire, of a vampiric figure, and um, and then these two magicians kind of went head to head trying to. Um, Try, trying to, to well not magicians presidents yeah. of the occult society trying to, to cleanse the cemetery of this vampire and, and they were they were kind of locked in combat it was really it's a great great story let's say that someone only has a day in the big smoke they're up for Extinction Rebellion mm. they've done their bit yeah. and then they're going to go and um, well I trot off yeah. and um, and and trot through the uh, security, brave the security, and get mm. into the British Museum. Oh yeah, I think so there's loads of things to look at in there, lots and lots of kind of interesting occult stuff, but mm. um, especially the the John Doe stuff. Which oh, what's that? The, uh, John Doe was he he was Queen Elizabeth's um, astrologer, and he was amazing. He, he had so so much knowledge, and. And power as well. I mean, mm. royalty would, would turn to him for advice, and he used to hang out at the palace. And um, if you go into the British Museum, you will see his obsidian mirror where he could sort of scry and look into the future. What? And it's there in a case. All of John Doe's possessions are there in the case. So I'd go there that sounds and hang awesome. out. Yeah. yeah. Going to have an overpriced tea afterwards. Yeah. 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 But you co-wrote this, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Who was your co-author? My co-author was Tree, and she um, did um, a, a kind of more witchy stuff. She did. Um, she's she's done some kind of spells and and things that people can read and and recite as they walk along. Oh, fantastic! So, well, I mean, God, if anything needed some good psychic energy, it's London. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah there's a lot of, sort of bad psychic energy, bad juju around London. At the yeah, it's gone a little bit Ghostbusters too. Yeah, with the. <laughs> <laughs> this like, I, uh, I mean, you know, we, we we started talking about this before we started recording, but you know, I mean, at the moment, witches feel like might be the answer to to I, I, everything. I think they might be, and I think well, in America, witches are trying to provide the answer to everything. There's, Absolutely, there's kind of a lot of witches on protests. There's, there's a, a lot of witchy imagery. Yeah, there's a fabulous Facebook group I'm part of called Bind Trump, uh, mm. and I, you know, I'm not a believer, but I'm glad these women are. Like they, they just they stand outside Trump Tower doing um, binding spells which what I love about that is that they you know Donald Trump has to pretend that he's religious so that he has to pretend like he's it was probably really unnerving if there's a bunch of very cool young women possibly in black nail varnish outside your uh, outside your house binding like the tower card from a tower deck uh, in black in black string and lighting stubby orange candles like it's not subtle <laughs> but it's like that's going to piss him off so much and just chanting weird shit yeah. and with this kind of feminine energy he will never understand so in a way it is working well it is working I think yeah. if nothing else it provides a really mm. beautiful focus for protests it, it it's not only it, it looks fantastic. So, mm. you know, obviously, kind of post-protest, it's going to look striking, it's going to make the front pages, mm. but also it freaks people out. Yeah. And that's what protests are, are for. I went on an Extinction Rebellion march at the weekend and it was oh, yeah. all the more effective for being silent rather than shouting. Oh. So it was a funeral procession. And I think things like that that unnerve rather than scream in people's faces are probably the most effective. Well, we've strayed from creepy books, but let's pull ourselves back around yeah. to the subject because, yeah, the other one that came out this month that probably most listeners to this podcast are aware of, and if you're not, then God, go and buy one. Um, the World of the Unknown Ghosts uh, has been reissued. So the Usborne books, 
Um, yeah, so Kate and I have just bought great big piles of our personal favourite uh, spooky horror books that traumatised us into the women we are today. Is that fair to say? It absolutely shaped me more than anything yeah. else, I think. More than, more than music, more than... Yeah, more than films, more than anything, was was spooky books. Yeah, and I think there's something about the Osbournes in particular. Uh, and when Joel Morris was on the show uh, way back, I think it was like episode two or three or something, so a long time ago. But he's um, many of things. He's one of the owners of the Great Begal Network. You're listening to this podcast on, but uh, he's also a co-author of the Ladybird books for grown-ups. And he made this really interesting point that the one of the reasons why the Osbourne books were so horrifying is because they're presented to you in exactly the same way as all the other Osborne books. So you'd have the Osborne book of, like, helicopters oh, or absolutely. dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah, it would be How Your Body Works, <laughs> Dinosaurs, Ghosts, mm. alongside. So that's so, fact and more facts. Exactly. More ghost yeah. facts. Just, just the fact that ghosts are a thing. Yeah. You eight-year-old child buying this from a book fair with your book tokens. Yeah, and, and that was it. They were, they were Not only were they on the bookshelves, they were on bookshelves in schools mm. and in libraries. Yeah. This is where I'm, I'm, mo- I'm most, uh, you know, I'd borrow them from the library. It was basically on constant loan to me. Yeah. The world of the Unknown Ghosts. And um, and then I saved up my tokens, got the little mini versions from, um, from yeah. the school book. I mean, this guy on the front, the guy on the front cover of Vampires, Werewolves and Demons. And yes, this is an interactive episode. You have to start Googling stuff along as we as we chat if you haven't got them in your own personal collection. The guy on the front of Vampires, Werewolves and Demons, I remember him so clearly. I think I fancied him, but I I think was, I fancied him yeah. too. Way before Twilight or anything like that, you just like, yeah, he yeah. had something going on because he's Sexy shy. Vampire. He's shy, and the sun's coming up, and he's melting a little bit. And this is the intro to um, Osborne Book of Ghosts, not the Reece Smith intro that's been written. But uh, what is a ghost? Ghosts are supposed to be the appearance of the spirits of the dead in a form visible to the living. According to those who have claimed to see ghosts, they usually look pale and cloudy. They can pass through solid objects such as doors and walls. They appear and vanish, leaving no trace. Whether they really do exist is still a complete mystery, but perhaps this book will help you make up your mind. (laughs) And then then it's just pages and pages and pages and pages of, yeah, this ghost actually happened. Um, I think the most enduring image... Uh, I don't know. I mean, do you have any particular ones from from the from Book of Ghosts? From Book of Ghosts, mm. I think um, oh. I, I was I was I was always taken with the, the spooky skulls and oh, yeah. um, and oh the skulls with fangs. Yeah. Oh, the skulls with the, fangs. Oh, the spectres of the Brocken. Because there's something really beautiful about this picture. It's a picture of um, the Hartz Mountains in West Germany, and these enormous ghosts being project, projected onto mm. the clouds behind. And actually here they explain, this is the, the section where they explain how, how, some of the, how some of the ghosts might have, um, might have, might have come about. Um, this one was actually climbers, and the, this was their, their shadows being cast onto the clouds behind them. Oh. And that, that always scared, really, really stayed with me, I think, that image. And this one, which, <laughs> yeah. you, kind of, you kind of go through, you go it's through like it an old friend. <laughs> yeah, this is an old friend, Black Shuck. This is like if you're in a nightclub and then they start playing gold by or something. You just go, yeah. yay! Everyone runs to the dance floor. It's the phantom hound with one eye, one red eye. <laughs> Hello, old friend. An enormous beast the size of a calf. Its shaggy coat was as black as soot. And um, I, one I, of the things that made Black Shuck different from other ghostly dogs <laughs> was a single cyclops eye as large as a saucer in the centre of his forehead. <laughs> and I, I actually, uh, even now, this is this is how much it, these books influenced me. When I was on holiday in in um, Suffolk, I went and and searched out the did you yeah the church that black that black shuck clawed at, and you can go and see the claw marks in the door today. Oh my Burn god! Burn marks on the door. 
So how and were they? They're there, and they are, are they still there? Are they still peddling black shuck? Oh as no, a no, thing? no! I think you have to kind of be a bit in the know. They, they 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 really don't make a big deal about it in the church. You have to go and search it out. That just it confirms it's oh, real. It's, it's like Nessie, where yeah. it's like full of like you know they're trying Nessie to... bath bombs and stuff. This is like. <laughs> Yeah, there's no black shark tea towels because he's real. He's real. He's real. And the same page as Geff or Jeff. We're not sure. It's like a gif, a gif, jif situation with the uh, the talking mongoose. Talking mongoose. The talking mongoose, which should be as fucking ridiculous as a creature gets, and yet when you look at the, the talking mongoose story. We are all slightly haunted by the idea. Well, I was, I, do you know what? This was actually a little bit of light relief for me. Yeah. For me, I would look at this picture of, of Black Shark. Eek, Black Shark. Oh, how, how, yeah. how, how can I make this go? I know, I'll read about the it's talking like, mongoose because he's a little bit cute but quite scary. Is but. he? So, yeah. Nobody could make out exactly what Jeff was. He was not a poltergeist at work, nor did he seem to be a hallucination or a hoax. He simply claimed that he was a ghost in the form of a small mongoose. Awesome. There he is. And he was famous and featured in many newspapers I like the fact he didn't he didn't only speak he told jokes and stories swore and sang songs I mean he sounds like a right laugh I want to meet him he sounds like a legend he does sounds like a total ledge let's get him down the pub absolutely ledge oh my god so haunted houses then there's just various various photos of churches bit boring uh, what else we got Oh yeah, ghosts around the world is always good because the artwork is just mad like it's it's like sort of you know this is you know this is these are books that we looked at in Britain where you weren't really exposed to that much of the culture from around the world and looking at the Japanese legless ghost oh. you've never seen anything like it it's like a woman on fire yanking her hair out with her legs on fire it's I absolutely mean, terrifying it looks, looks which like which definitely tattoo. happened oh it does oh, that would make a boss tattoo it's a really cool tattoo and the oh. gibbering ghost I remember it just, <laughs> just looks so so different to everything else you've seen you know what's really loved one of the things about Osborne illustrations is that everyone look all the ghosts and monsters and things look really chill a lot of the time like they're really not sort of hysterical they're all like it's because it's fact it's because it's fact they're all quite relaxed most one of the in, time they are chill they are one of the yeah, one of the ones in vampires werewolves and demons that I loved uh, very much is becoming a werewolf there's a chapter on becoming oh, a werewolf yeah. We're, just, we're both looking at it at the same time. Uh, some people were believed to turn into wolves during a full moon against their will. However, some bad people actually wanted to become ferocious werewolves and they used magic to bring about the transformation. And then there's literally a step-by-step guide. Here's how you become a Here werewolf. Here is exactly... First, what, take your cauldron. Take a cauldron. And the guy looks a bit like Christa Berg. Oh, he... Yeah. Or a bit like Ian Beale having a nervous breakdown on any standards. And he's rubbing his chest... Uh, to turn into a werewolf but then the werewolf at the end he's quite chill yeah here I am look at Hiya. me hey guys hey I did it and the same with the um, there's there's something that's like mythical creatures from around the world or something who um, where is it sorry um, wild beasts, which is the other kinds of beasts you can get that aren't just wolves and they're shit they're really shit monsters oh yeah here's a weir fly there's they? a weir fly there's a weir crocodile the weir crocodile I mean that is actually nightmare fuel because Do you know I'd like to I'd, li- I'd like to meet him he looks I'd like to ride him yeah oh you're getting on his back yeah riding around the jungle on a weir crocodile uh, there's a there's, there's a there's a snake there's a really thick looking lion who looks like, oh, do you know what he looks like? Looks like that badly taxidermied lion that everyone shared a few years ago oh, with, yeah. the, with the tongue hanging out like a big slab of beef. Either that or, or Bill Beaumont. <laughs> <laughs> 
anyway, this is what haunted our dreams for most of our childhood. It really did, and um, literally haunted. There are certain pictures that I look at mm. now in haunted houses, ghosts and spectres. Mm. I think this was the one that, that really scared me. It's an Osborne book as well. Yeah. And there are certain pictures in here. Oh, I'm just looking through it because I'm a bit scared or just even looking at it. Oh, and there's no. this, this one of Glam's Castle, pronounced Glam's. See, I pronounce it right because I can remember this. Because you looked it up yeah, as a child. It's pronounced Glam's. It tells me in Osborne and I remembered it down the years. There was um, a phantom lady without a tongue. And this picture is just terrifying. There she is. One. <gasps> Coming yes. towards the camera, her tongue ripped out, blood coming from her mouth. She's a beautiful. Uh, what, what period of history we're we talking here? It's um, she's wearing like a, a pilgrimy sort of. Yeah, maybe like a nice like Nathan nice, dress I, or something. Yeah, like a nice Laura Ashley kind of pastel pink dress. Yeah. But she, her tongue's been ripped out. You know, been which out. definitely happened, and is a fact that you should remember alongside you know how to, how to pronounce pterodactyl. It's, yeah. yeah, the Walsingham ghosts where. This is um, a house in America mm. which was haunted and there's a picture in here that scared me so much. Looking at it now, I think it's just... Um, is it Lon Chaney? So it's a blue floating head with blood pouring down from a cut on its head and, um, and terrifying teeth. And I was so scared of this picture that I would have to put this book outside my bedroom. It wasn't allowed in my bedroom Ugh. after I'd finished reading it at night. I had to go and put it on a shelf somewhere else because having even having this book in the Too same room as me Too much power. scared me so, so much that I had to, yeah, that's, it had to be somewhere else. And and how do you feel now holding it in your hands? Quite, you actually, I'm actually shaking a bit. I am genuinely shaking this, a bit. This feels a bit S&M-y, like you're, you're, oh. you're, you're taking control of your fears. Know, right? I'm confronting <laughs> something. But then I've had this, I've kept this book since I was yeah. since I was six or seven. So, I mean, it's obviously... I'm, I'm yeah, your name's in the front, like Kate. Katie Hodges 2B. Yeah, there's certain pictures which scare me so much that they've just, they have just stayed, stayed this, with me. This is the big one for me, definitely, beyond... All the other things. Be, um, I mean, there is. This is uh, page twenty-nine. It probably wasn't page twenty-nine in the original. This is from the uh, the reissue of Ghosts, um, and it's the monk. The monk uh, uh, of a the monk. It just in, and that's the thing. There's no information. I'd forgotten. I thought I was going to read this. It all reminds me where this altar is. There's no information. It just says, people commonly claim to see the ghosts of nuns and priests in churches. Often they're said to stand at or near the altar praying. The photograph above of a cowled monk standing by an altar rail was taken in the early 1960s by the vicar of a church in England. That's so vague. Which vicar? What church? What? It's where fucking, can we go and see it? Yeah. Oh, imagine. It's the I mean, it's like there's obviously some lovely double exposure. Something's happened, or it's a picture of a ghost. But uh, it's it is the, the it's just achieved with some sort of like white cloth over the face, dark eyes, and a cowled robe. And it's fucking. I'm now staring at it so hard. I feel like my hair's going to catch so fire. So scary. It's like a bit like the Elephant Man, and a bit like. A, a, a traditional ghost it's just so yeah but it's so also scary. like death as well and it's, death yeah. scared the shit out of oh, the, yeah. the concept of death the guy in the cowl as and the, as a figure because um, there was a book of poetry and I don't know which one it was but remember at school you had those collected books of poetry yeah. and there was and they were always a bit rubbish um, there were autumn days and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> bit of Spike Milligan if you were lucky but one of the poems was about something about death but the picture was just the guy in the hood and the and the and the black the empty hood and it scared it freaked the shit out of me uh and i could never watch airplane is it airplane one or airplane two that has the joke of 
Oh, it's fine. I think we might make it after all. And behind Jeff Stryker is his actual death with the scythe and the and the and and I would always have to freak out and like pause the video at that point because I couldn't really deal. Really scary. I remember I had a set of top trump cards as well. <gasps> Horror top trumps yeah. and death, of course, was the best one. Yeah, was the one to have. But <laughs> cow death. Even when I was playing top trumps, what I, was the what was the what was the what else was in the top trumps horror? Um, Thor. Weirdly, Thor. Thor. Yeah. Well, that's wrong genre. I know. Um, have a word tops. <laughs> Um, just like generic Fu Manchu ghosts <laughs> ghost was just one of them a ghost <laughs> I think you've really played your hand early there. Frankenstein's monster yeah Frankenstein's monster, monster. yeah um, he was quite a monster as well though if you think about it Frankenstein. That's my hot take on that whole thing. <laughs> well That's my my hot take on that whole holiday. <laughs> so I think Mary Shelley. Two hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? It's a hot take. I think what Mary Shelley was saying. <laughs> actually, the monster wasn't. I think you find Mary. Didn't even have a name. <laughs> didn't even have a name. The monster he wasn't called the monster. He was called nothing. He was nothing. The creature, I think it was called in the book. I haven't read Frankenstein. It was a bit boring. I started to read it and it was a bit boring. It's too many layers. It's like a book and a book and a book and a book. And I feel like such a bad feminist for not having... a bad horror person. Yeah, bad horror person and bad feminist. The two things I think I'm any good at. (laughs) (laughs) It's really hard going, though. So stodgy. Do you know what I will read for hours, though, is any account of uh, Mary Shelley writing Frankenstein. Yeah, me too. Which the more information that that comes out about it is just like, this is the best story ever. Why am I not writing this film? It's like, everyone's like, oh, it was just, it was a lovely writer's retreat. And her and Byron played a fun game of ghost stories. No, they were in a weird sex triangle with her stepsister and um, and Shelley, Percy Shelley. Uh, He'd promised to pimp out his missus to Byron. Byron's doctor had also been promised. Like, it's a fucking sex farce that was going on. What the hell? She just had a miscarriage. No, she just had a baby and it died. Uh, She had another baby. She's 19. She's having an affair with Percy Shelley. He's still married. So she wasn't Mary Shelley then. She was Mary Wollstonecraft. Fuck, what kind of her name? (laughs) What's her name? Wollstonecraft. Craft. Wollstonecraft. That's it. Yes, she was that. And she she had an affair with Percy Shelley, who was a famous poet. They... She lost her virginity on her own mother's grave. So goth. Oh God, who didn't? Uh, <laughs> and they ran away together uh, with her stepsister. It was the papers referred to them as the um, as the what do they call them? Oh, the incest gang. So clearly they were in some kind of like sexy thruppily love triangle. And then they went to they escaped the press and went and hung out with Byron, who was travelling incognito, also escaping the press because he was shagging his sister. And they. Um, uh, but he was in Italy, not Italy, sorry, Switzerland, yeah. Uh, and they were, um, I love, this is like drunk history, but I'm not even drunk, I'm just a bit excited because I've just done all this reading on it. And it's like, um, and Byron, Byron's got like a monkey and like horses and cows and like there's peacocks with him. And and he's travelling with his doctor and he's, he's promised his doctor that the doctor can shag Mary Shelley and he's shagging the stepsister and it's this uh, fuck cult. Uh, sorry, sounds like, amazing. It's fucking cool. And um, then they were all on Laudanum and then there was a massive rainstorm because a volcano had gone off and everything was dark in Europe for a year. There was no sunshine. And then uh, then they all sat around and had one, yeah, and then were just like... Well, the, the writing of Frankenstein just sounds quite tame after all of that. Yeah, when it's, you read it, it's like, oh yeah, she's very measured and prim and yeah, but... Uh, 
I'm I'm going to cut this right down. But me, I I am genuinely genuinely want to write a, write a fucking film of it or something because everyone gets it wrong about the yeah. about that. They're all like, oh, and they sat around and told delightful ghost stories. It's like, no, she was so pissed off that her the man she was having an affair with, Percy Shelley and Byron, were essentially sort of bromancing each other and trying to pimp her out to other people. Ooh. That she sat down and wrote this book that was just like, ah, fucking men. Wasn't there a film though? Wasn't there? There was a there was a film, but it was all very crinolines and, yeah. and Pride and Prejudice, as they always do, because they think everyone in the past talked like um, you Nobody know Jane Austen in the past. But that was because happy people that yeah, no one swore and no one um, yeah, everyone wore crinolines and had tea at four o'clock, and it's like not it's not it wasn't just posh people. No. Uh, My mate bought a toaster. We go through celebrities' Amazon purchase histories so you don't have to. Keep calm and love Dom Jolly novelty keyring yeah, and fridge that. magnets. Yeah, I love that. The G-spot. <laughs> the good vibrations, guys. Green dot laser sight rifle gun scope. I've bought that quite a lot of times, I think. Right, OK. The sex doctor's guide to keeping it hot. Ah, oh, interesting. Did another child come along nine months later? Yeah. <laughs> Loads of great apps up now and new ones dropping every Monday. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster from Great Big Al. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, so neither is a red Frankenstein and we're bad feminists and bad horror women. Uh, but I do, apparently on the last page, he does just say, so I, you can just call me Frankenstein, it's my name. It's like my dad, <laughs> my he? dad was... <laughs> look, everybody's going to do it. My dad just call was... call me Frankenstein. Yeah, look, my dad was, my dad was Frankenstein, so I'm Frankenstein. Or Frank N. Stein, <laughs> if you're... <laughs> If you're doing the funny feet version. Frankie Stein. Do you remember funny feet yogurt? Funny funny. Freaky feet, not funny feet. Freaky feet. Freaky feet yogurt. It was like monster yogurt that had... The freakiest thing about it was how much plastic it used. So you look at it now, you're like, fucking hell, landfill, extinction rebellion. Greta Thunberg would start crying at them, but they are... They're like massive. They were massive '80s yogurts that were shaped like horror things. And the yeah, there was one that was called Frank N. Stein. I don't know how I missed that. I mean, you know, were you even there in the '80s? Anyway, I'm going to do it. I want you from my bedroom. I'd like you. I invite you and the well. Speaking of horror books, I would invite you and the listener to close your eyes now. 
and tell me what this noise is. You're watching me. <laughs> I know what it is. Without looking, what is that sound? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Without, what is that sound? It's the giant thing from the inside of the haunted house book. It is the bat. Oh, it's the. Last page of Jan Pianowski's, which I think I'm pronouncing right, uh, Haunted House book. And the last page, uh, it was a pop-up book. It's fucking amazing. Every single page gives you kind of like nightmare flashbacks. Like, oh, this was a, but the last page in particular has a, a bat. When you go up in the loft and you open, the, open it up and there's, oh, there's a bat flying and there's a saw poking out of a wooden box. And as you open and shut the page, the saw starts soaring its way out of the wooden box. And on the side of the box, it just says, Transylvania. That's beautiful. Oh, it's what so gorgeous. What a beautiful thing to own. A I had to buy a new one a couple of, a couple of years ago. They're freaking expensive now. They are, yeah. They, well, they, apparently they reissued them last year. And just before they reissued them, I went on a books and got one for like seven quid, which was actually really cheap because I think they were going for like 200 quid before yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, because obviously everyone's childhood version, you wrecked. It fell apart. Well, even I, mm. I never owned a copy of Haunted House, <gasps> but we had one. And, but we had one at our primary school, but they had to take it out of circulation because people kept pulling the spider off the stairs. Yeah. There's a little dangly spider. Well, there's so many bits in it that, yeah, if you've got a copy where all the bits are intact, you open the first page, yeah, there's a beautiful spider dangling from a little thread. The cat's eyes move. There's so many bits for you and to spin and move around. Classic things to pull, like the little um, pictures with eyes that go left and right when oh. you pull the strip of paper across. The fridge in the kitchen, you open it up and it's like this horrifying uh, mass of spaghetti and some fried eggs and a sausage and an ice cream that are making a face. It's so beautiful and so beautifully done. But yeah, we had to, we had to book time in <laughs> to read Haunted House and then go and sit next to the teacher because people were pulling bits of it. It was that popular. Did you watch you? Yeah, oh, teacher was. So you just have to go and sit next to her. There's this is. I think this might be my favourite effect from it. There's one where you pull a tab and it's like a normal bed, and you pull the tab and this ghost just appears on oh, the top of the so bed, o- o- watching the person sleeping. It's so lovely. It is one of the most beautiful things. But yeah, again, I mean, I bought this for my kid, and I'm slightly worried if I'm going to like traumatise her. But um, I think yeah. it's your duty to traumatise your kids. That's slightly. right. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, they, they don't grow up with any kind of sense of danger or adventure or mm. creativity I think it's that's how you that's how you get your creative it's like in world of the unknown ghosts mm. at the back there was a guide to becoming a ghost hunter and that's that's what I thought my job was going to be is it seemed like a perfectly reasonable job didn't it yeah, yeah. again it sort of set it up as if it, you know it was like how a combustion engine works and some people become mechanics yeah and here's how to become a ghost here's how to become a ghost hunter um and <laughs> I, I think that's Low, I, order of mysterious powers and strange forces was another. I, I, we used to go through. My dad was a scientist. We used to go through this book and do all the experiments in it. We used to do ESP experiments. Interesting. We did dowsing, and it used to scare the hell out of me. And I know that my dad did kind of seances and and really? hypnotizing and things. But from a very scientific point of view, we made this was little this? pyramid and we tried to sharpen razor blades underneath it, a cardboard pyramid. Well, and of course, none of it worked. It was all disproved, but it was as much fun disproving it as it was. But that's so lovely. That's genuinely, that's adorable. What, what sort of scientist was your dad? He was a scientist. He was a, um, a doctor of chemistry. 
And he but just he, he, had, just, he, he had knew you had these books and just went, let's go through yeah, and test whether ESP is real with wiggly stars and circles. Yeah, and which squares. is the best way to get a kid interested in science was That's doing smart. experiments, even if you knew what the result was going to be, to, to get do experiments to try and find out if ESP was real I or have not. To say, or if I, dowsing worked. I always found mysterious powers and strange horses really boring. No offence if you worked oh. on it because it was all. But then it, yeah, I didn't. No one sat down with me and went, "Shall we do the can plants feel experiment?" Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah, let's get some other. Just a cave, which yeah. we did. Yeah, the 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 scare factor of a picture of a ficus with a couple of electrodes attached to it is not as you know. It's no geff the talking one. No geff. Indian <laughs> yeah. rope tricks. Trying to do the Indian rope tricks. I just tell you now. Spoiler alert. It doesn't work. Oh, it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame. Uh, any other other books that we've not covered that you've brought in that you want to talk about? Well, I really loved this part work which was called The Unexplained mm. and The Unexplained used to go and buy it and news agents and build up to <gasps> an encyclopedia holy um, shit that's huge look at that I know this is this is a compilation like Argo- it looks like of, exactly like an Argos catalogue it looks like business. an Argos catalogue of, of weirdness and of some mystery. of the pictures in here just oh it, this kind of it really defined me so there was this a picture of spontaneous human combustion <gasps> <laughs> a lady's leg sticking out next to I remember that fire. picture. I did, didn't see it in the and toilet. Yes, of Slightly course. Weirdly, yeah. and um, Enfield pot- poltergeists pictures of the Enfield poltergeist oh. with the girls from Enfield just flying across the room, being flung across the room by mysterious powers, and another picture of oh, a real life yeti, the man beast shot in Colombia and Venezuela. It's this massive monkey in a kind of mask thing. And these, oh, hello. these, these are the pictures. He's, stri- he's quite striking, isn't he? He's is striking, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Um, so these are the, the kind of pictures that are indelible. They're burned on my brain, and um, <laughs> it's like they spontaneously human combusted yeah, in your brain. Yeah, they, they have. They, they, yeah, the spontaneous human combustion burned into my brain, and I. Even now, when I look at these pictures, they still they still make me. They they still have this resonance, and and fascination, and in fact. I went on to work at Bizarre Magazine, and basically, of course you did. We just my 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 job there as features editor was just commissioning features, which were basically the unexplained, but given a slightly sexier edge. Yeah, I mean, I, I also wrote for Bizarre. I'm sure you commissioned me. Uh, the um, yes, it was uh, well, anything that could be uh, illustrated with a with a, a woman with pierced nipples and a, and a and a rubber corset. As long as you, you can oh, yeah. sort of find a pitch for that. Sexy human combustion. Sexy is <laughs> half a woman in a bikini. The legs burned off. Here's a foot for, you know... Sexy foot, though. Sexy foot fetish, yeah. Yeah, Sexy Yeti. In fact, I think we probably did do all of these, actually. Oh, man, I love Bizarre. Bizarre was great. Excellent place to work. Cool. Oh, yeah. I'm just sorry, I'm just flicking through if there's anything that we need, anything we haven't covered. Yeah, I mean, if you had to have sex with anyone from 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 when I was born, I think I probably... Oh... I quite like the bear from befriending the ghost of a bear. Oh, the bear! Because yeah, he looks all right. Um, and a ghost is quite—it's quite soft and and, har- and harmless, isn't it? It's not like a werewolf. I mean, Jeff would laugh you into bed. Jeff will get. <laughs> Jeff, he would be the one. He's got—he's got—he's yeah. got some story. He's—he sounds like a right laugh. He is—he is a right laugh, and not just between the sheets. He'll, he'll keep you entertained all day long <laughs> with his stories and his jokes. <laughs> and then you could disappear into the attic at night. <laughs> Jeff, yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, Jeff's your Jeff's your man. Yeah. All right. Before.
before we started recording, I asked you to sort of send me some of your thoughts on what's going as a child, and you were very immediate in saying Day of the Triffids. Day of the Triffids was the most... Do you know, I worked out that I was... Day of the Triffids was a TV programme mm-hmm. on BBC. It was shown in 1981, mm-hmm. and it was an adaptation of a book by John Wyndham, and it was about um, post... The entire population of Earth looks looks to the sky and there's a big meteor shower, comet shower, and they're all blinded. And the whole, there's societal breakdown. And this allows these giant plants, poisonous plants, to kind of... They make a break from an experimental laboratory and come out of the laboratory and, and, and kill people. They've got these great big sort of tongue-like proboscis things that come out and sting people and um, they make a really terrifying sound as they walk down the street on their roots yeah <laughs> and 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 hilarity and shoes <laughs> well yeah I, today when I was I went to go and have a look at the trailer thinking I wonder if any if it's still as scary as it was and of course the first thing you think when you see the plants is no it's not as so scary but the concept is still... The concept is terrifying. And the theme song is more scary. Yes. Than uh, well, I will drop was. that in okay. right about now. <laughs> the theme song is absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's terrifying. It, yeah. And So on the theme song, the, the credits were these kind of strangely lit people looking mm. up into the sky. And it must... I mean, it was, it was, this was illustrating... The comet going over, and then the moment when they were going blind, and it was the start of the breakdown of society, and the cheery theme tune that soundtracked that was one of the most horrific things. I think it was. I think I remember reading about it afterwards. And it was kind of done experimentally by Richard Rodney Bennett or somebody, mm-hmm. and it's just. It's so 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 scary. There's not a hint of jaunt or anything. It's yeah. just. It's really chilling and really soulless. Um, would you like to watch the trailer with me yeah. for the Day of the Triffids? Because it's really good. I was... Starting on Wednesday on BBC One, the Can Day you see of that? the Triffids, a chilling yeah. serial based on John Wyndham's classic story. A global catastrophe threatens humanity with a deadly form of plant life. If it were a choice of survival... I quite fancy the scientist. I know which I'd put my money on. But you're assuming equal intelligence. It was very, very verbose and quite slow, Dave the Triffids. All oh, totally, but there they are. Look there they are. They look like sort of sticks of rhubarb and fannies. Yeah. There's like a, that's, that's, it's kind of big, huge, thick lilies of the valley walking along. Yeah. And there he is. There's a, there's a blind guy. So he, he was the, he was, he was like he'd patient zero, accident. yeah. He'd had, he'd had an accident. The main guy had had an accident, so he had his eyes bandaged up, so he could, he didn't, get, he didn't watch the comments, he didn't watch meteorites, so he could see afterwards, so he was one of the sighted people. That's right. And there's, I love this, this is, this is some people recapping the pot, plot for you in a pub. And, and a woman just fiddling with a box of matches while she's talking, which is you know, just like maybe just don't have a fag in that scene. Um, and there you go, that's the Triffids. Horrifying. I, I watched it about 15 years ago, and it moves so. I think that was the really shocking thing. It moves so mm. slowly. The whole of the first episode, it's just that guy waking up in hospital, mm. realizing, recapping a bit, realizing what had happened, and it ends. The whole episode ends with him taking off his bandages and. 
and, and that's and, and getting out of the hospital. So you don't see was, the Triffids? No, you don't see the Triffids. And it's so slow moving and, and it's quite beautiful mm. in a way, but that would all be done in yeah. 30 seconds. Well, actually, you say that now, now we're in the, the golden age of television. Netflix will probably make a 20 part series of that. I bet the first episode of Stranger Things has about as much plot. That's true. As that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to get off on Stranger Things chat. Um, yeah. But so you you saw this as a child? I saw it. it. I'd realised I worked out that. I was eight when I watched it, which mm. it was extraordinary because it's really, really, really scary. And it's not mm. just scary because of Triffids. It's what's more scary. What was scary to me when I was a kid was watching the breakdown of society because this was a time mm. when when threads had been on mm. and Where the Wind Blows was... I'd, re- I'd read Where the Wind Blows and nuclear war was in in the air and on mm. the horizon and around the corner and I was desperate to build a nuclear bunker in my back garden and then to watch this programme which basically was about what would happen if, if society broke down like a nuclear winter mm. was really, really terrifying. And the Triffids were kind of just dressing on top, really. Mm. They were just kind of... They were almost there to, to jazz it up a bit. What The really scary bits were mm. were the, the, the woman scoffing... A blind woman eating... Um, detergent because she thought it was food. <laughs> oh my god! That's Gangs of football supporters wandering around, kind of still chanting their football slogans, but blind and breaking into shops and cars just all driven off the road and driving really slowly. It was really oh, terrifying. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's that whole thing. I think that's what fuels my my fears now. That's what fuels my mm. my climate breakdown fears. Is basically I don't know if if I had that tendency before I watched Day of the Triffids or if it was Day of the Triffids that planted it in me. But <laughs> no pun intended. No. You, you look so but happy. The, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, um, but yeah, I think it's that uh, it's. That's that fear is it kind of still drives me today. Mm. That fear of of nuclear war of course it will have just Triffids. yeah <laughs> I, know, I know exactly yes it's the uh the yeah the what is scary about the triffids in hindsight is not plants that look like giant sticks of rhubarb with fanny bits hanging off them you know clitorises i don't know they're very they're very sort of uh yeah i mean as uh, stamens and, and all that it's kind of really quite so lavicious about it is it yeah they're quite list they're, they're quite i mean they're quite sexy plants but they're um but as you know in a kind of um biology class way like stamens and pollens and stuff like that they look like that uh but that isn't the scary thing about the day of the death no, it's, it's the, how fast society will yeah yeah and yeah. the fact that society and, and in day of the Trip they all kind of split into factions as well mm-hmm. so there's this man who says no what we need to do is you all need to take care of 10 blind people and you all need to be in, in charge of them and you need, we need to split everybody up and then mm-hmm. there's this other guy who just comes around in a tank and tries to shoot everybody and it's all these kind of different solutions to this awful awful thing that's happened in society and and the violence and mm. the it's really nihilistic and scary even the, the end of it spoiler alert even the end of it is pretty fudged and not not very upbeat at all (laughs) amazing so we've covered you know so much of what freaked you out as a kid and um you know these brilliant scary books and the scary tv show but was there anything else that really unnerved you as a child any irrational fears yeah I was really obsessed with um, getting the plague (laughs) (laughs) and whether I had the plague 
and the plague in general. And I would read obsessively about the symptoms and then check myself for those symptoms. So every night I'd check under my arms to see if I had had a bubo, which is a lump, <laughs> and a bubo. And I'd look for mottled skin patches. And I was so, so, and take my temperature, I was so obsessed mm. with the fact that I may have the plague. I think that stemmed from watching TV programme called The Bells of Astacote, which is about a plague village, and visiting a plague village in Derbyshire, I think it was in Derbyshire, called EM, and they'd, they'd um, isolated themselves off when they realised that they'd had a load of infected clothes sent in, and so this plague village just isolated, and they all, most of them all died mm. from, from the plague, but they protected the surrounding oh villages from its spreading. And I was always really, really kind of choked up by that and, and, and amazed at their bravery, but also totally freaked out. Like, how would you feel if you were living in that plague village and God. The, and you'd been told to, to kind of stay put and basically oh, just yeah. just get the plague and, and die to save for the greater good? It but, was it was a it was always a big thing in school, wasn't it? You know, you did World War Two and yeah, you did the plague, the plague because you had the plague in the Far of London right next to each other, so they were very good at telling you a certain amount about history. Yeah. And and also I like the fact that kind of the, the, as far as school was concerned, that once you had the fire of London, it's oh yeah, and it cleansed London of the plague, oh, yeah. and that's the end of the plague but, yes. horrors. But you know, it, it obviously the plague lingered on in other places in the world, and I would often kind of I remember looking at atlases and things are trying to work out whether the plague was still around and what parts of the world it was around in. Oh my god, making sure you never went there. Yeah, making sure that was on my list. Not letting rats crawl in your face. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and I think think that's what kind of really stemmed my fear of rats as well. So now I I used to go to, you know, museums and things and there'd be reconstructions, there'd be rats scuttling around or whatever. And Mm. so even now when I hear the scuttle of a rat or I see a rat, I just, the first thing I think is, is... plague I'm gonna get the plague oh my god runs up my trails leg which it obviously looks like it's going to and was there any reassuring you that you couldn't possibly get the plague no not really no I was I I, I, no not at all in fact my mum and dad were were obviously very sensible people (laughs) no they couldn't it's a lot to expect yeah yeah if your kid is like mum I've got this medieval illness yeah Yeah. what's the potential for me getting this medieval illness put some bread on it or those oh just they, everything about the plague was so creepy and memorable. Like the, you know, you get those um, uh, the outfits that they had to wear to like go from door to door. Yes. The, the bird men masks, the great big bird masks. The plague doctors with plague their doctors. great big bird men masks, and then and and then yeah, people and they put the white cross on the door if you had plague. It was all really ring, really, ring of roses, yeah. which may or may not be. I mean, one you know, I really have to look like I'm on Snopes at some point because I, I I'm not entirely certain if ring of ring of roses was about I, the plague let's, or let's not. Say about it was because it's fun. It's, cool. it's fun to think and that's a cool thing. But yeah, there's so much kind of iconography associated. Mm. You don't get that kind of thing associated with measles. <laughs> or whatever. Measles has no gothic glamour at all. Plague yeah. is all like long robes, ringing bells to say that you're unclean. Or that's leprosy, but. And 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 it just it just has the glamour, and it's like almost as soon as you get the plague, you have to dress in these raggedy old black robes. And I mean, it's very, it's yeah. There's so much iconography, and it's very, it's very sexy. <laughs> it's very sexy. Does it apart from the buboes and the pus and the sweats? I mean, it's quite a sexy disease. To well, get. The, the, those bird, the, those plague doctor outfits. If you go yeah. on eBay, and God knows, I don't know why I know this. I know this because, because I've 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 gone looking for plague doctor outfits on so, eBay. So, but you know, this is quite a bit big part of fetish culture, as oh. you probably know from working on. 
Bizarre magazine yeah. and yeah. being a pervert. I don't know. but they're I'm huge. not a pervert, but I'm just, interest in, <laughs> just it, interested per- in perversity. You're pervert adjacent, like myself. Uh, yeah, you most, I just like to look. I just like to have a look at things. Yeah, yeah. I'm, fascinate, I'm fascinated by what other people are fascinated by. I love by. to watch. And, and, <laughs> and it's... Yeah, leather plague doctor masks. Yeah, they go for thousands, thousands. People recreate these sexy plague doctor masks, and because the whole point of these masks that look like sort of horrifying birds is that in the beak, they had they were meant to have herbs which they believed stops you getting the plague. They were yeah. meant they were full of sort of lavender and spices yeah. and lemon and weird shit. So they must have smelled very nice, but they look. Absolutely terrifying. Really but scary. But then anything that's scary, someone turns into a sexy thing, don't they? So you go on eBay. I'm going to just see if I can find one on eBay. You get cheap and nasty versions. Oh yeah, I bet, I bet you they. I bet Smithies do. <laughs> <laughs> Leg Avenue, sexy. It wouldn't be doctor. called a plague doctor. It'd be called illness physician. <laughs> Pointy face illness physician. <laughs> I was going to see if I can find one on uh, eBay. Plague Doctor, and then I'm going to go price sort price from low to high, high to low. The most expensive Plague Doctor. There you go. So yeah, there's 120. That's actually I've, not, I've seen more expensive than that. Steampunk uh, Plague Doctor mask, one with gold rivets, white PVC. I think I mean, I'd go for a gold one. Gold add a little, nice. add a little glamour. It's a bit. It's very. Oh, look at that one. A few sequins, maybe a tassel. <laughs> I think we can. <laughs> um, and so, remind the listeners um, what's the, what's your fantastic book called? Um, it's called Welcome to the Dark Side: Occult London, and um, Her Blester are publishing it on the thirty-first of October. So, any more favourite places from this occult London map? Um, I really like the the London Stone, which is. It's in in a little case near Cannon Street Station. Mm-hmm. So it's a lump of rock, and you go and and it has such such a brilliant and people seem to just imprint history onto this little piece of rock. It's really really interesting. William Blake thought it's a druid's altar um, where they they make human sacrifices mm. on it. Other people thought that it was um, the stone which Excalibur was drawn from by Arthur, and it's. Um, other people say that um, London will fall if it's moved from from the boundaries, and um, and somebody else said that um, Jack Cade, who was like this rebel, um, said that he used it as a throne as well. And um, I love the idea that there's a, this this sort of lump of rock in the middle of London, and everyone's yeah. imprinted their own yeah, idea of what it does onto it. Yeah, so everybody's imprinted their own their own kind of everybody has their own take on it. Mm. So, and Shakespeare wrote about it. And in Peter Ackroyd's book about John Dee, he's obsessed with it as well. Mm. And so it's, it has all these kind of different meaning, meanings, in, but all of them are kind of weird and occult and esoteric. Yeah. It's just this, this piece, just this piece of stone that, and it, and it ended up being embedded into the front of a WH Smith <laughs> for years and years and years. And, 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 and a sports shop, before that was a sports shop, WH Smith. It's just really kind of low rent for years and years. But now they've kind of redeveloped and it's in this the wall of this kind of redevelopment and it's a lot kind of swisher. But I mean, I kind of liked it when it was in Oh, I love that. Front, you go on a pilgrimage to WH Smith. Because yeah. presumably if you are in any way a believer in kind of like vibes and energies, that thing is fucking thrumming with... Absolutely, with like juju, whatever you want to call it. It's probably got some 
constantly like cr- crackles with like whatever vibes you want to yeah. pretend. Yeah, and then there it is just by the post-it from <laughs> yeah. amateur photographer. Yeah. And it's a bit of grubby old carpet. It's there. I mean, it's jazzed up now mm. in this development. And But um, it's... It's just a really, really brilliant kind of cipher and a, and a, and a kind of kind of icon for London history as well. And it's a great metaphor for London, actually. Yes, is what it you is. make of it. It is. Yeah, London, you bring your own thing to the. You absolutely bring stay. your own t- thing to the table. That's really cool. Yeah. So yes, listeners should definitely uh, get hold of a copy of that. And it's um, all good bookshops. All good bookshops. All good map shops. Big up to um, Anna from Osborne, from the um, World of the Unknown, uh, who's, who was responsible for reissuing uh, the Osborne Book of Ghosts this Yeah, well year. done, Osborne, yeah, for doing well that. done, Anna. Just a shout-out to you, because you've been lovely. We've been talking loads about um, doing something about this book, and um, I'm so glad we did, because it's been... I hope all the listeners at home have got their own copies out and are doing a little read-along. Um, it's, been, it's, been, it's been horrifying. <laughs> um, Kate Hodges, thank you so much for joining me on The Fear. Thanks, Sarah Morgan. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.